You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Boutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but, but uh, back in, in my early 20s, I'm now in my early 50s, so you do the math, but, but back in my early 20s, I, I did this road trip to Texas. And so I got on I-70 uh, and, and went out to I-35 and went south on I-35 uh, through Kansas and through Oklahoma and ultimately to Texas. But when I was going through Oklahoma, I mean, listen, I had enough Mountain Dew and enough Starbucks in, in my system to wake an elephant. But also I had enough in me that I really had to go, if you know what I mean. And so I'm looking for a bathroom and looking for a bathroom. And finally, off in the distance, I see a sign. It looks like it's from heaven. It says Shell Oil Station. And so I, 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 I you know, get there as fast as I can. I pull in the parking lot and, and, and jump out of the car, run to the restroom, only to notice on the door it says, out of order. Not what you want to see in that moment. So now in that moment, I'm, I'm kind of doing the, I got to go dance. You know, the, I got to go dance, right? You know, just, you know, and, and, you know and, and, and the attendant sees me doing the, I got to go dance. And, 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 and he's, like, he's like, hey, y'all, because you know, that's how they talk in Oklahoma. I was the only one in the whole place. He says, hey, y'all, uh, you can just ignore that sign. We fixed the plumbing yesterday. We're just waiting for the manager to come and take the sign down. I was like, you're waiting for the manager to take off the piece of paper that says out of order. <laughs> Evidently, uh, the, the bathroom's not the only thing out of order in Oklahoma. But anyway, I... <laughs> Well, now, now um, imagine this. Uh, imagine, you know, Sunday morning, you, you go to a church service. You're, you know, maybe you're desperate, maybe you're hopeless. So you go to a church service only to find a sign that says, out of order. Well, in a sense, that is the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was a church that was out of order. And they were out of order on, on the one hand because they were not functioning and operating like a healthy church. And on the other hand, they were out of order because many in that church were speaking out of turn and speaking out of order. So it's to this out of order church that Paul will say later on in verse 33, and I'll read verse 33 in the Amplified Bible. Uh, verse 33, Paul says, God is not a God of confusion and disorder, but a God of peace and order. And so to this out-of-order church, Paul is telling them to get back into order. So now with that, we'll pick up in verse 1, the, the, the first 12 verses. We see that Paul is now telling them that the, the, he, he's giving us the reason that the Corinthian church lacked order. The reason they didn't have order. So he says in verse 1, Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in, in, in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to, the, speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who, who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I, I bring you some revelation or knowledge or, or prophecy or, or, or teaching? If, if even lifeless instruments, such as a flute or a harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is being played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if your tongue, with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air." 
There are doubtless many languages in the world, and, and none was, is, is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, or, uh, 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 I'm sorry, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. Now, in your mind's eye, I want you to imagine. Imagine walking into a, into a worship service, and, and as you walk in, you see a, a, a bunch of worshipers that are, that are frantically dancing out of control. And then over here, you, you then see a bunch of different people speaking in tongues. And then over here, you see a bunch of other people giving prophetic words, you know, speaking prophecies. And then you see a bunch of people all over the place kind of falling down. Now, you may think that what I just described to you might be what you see in a, in a, in a modern-day Pentecostal church service. But actually, what I just described for you is what you would have seen when you walked into an ancient pagan temple in the ancient city of Corinth. The pagan temples of Corinth. You know, we, we've talked about this before, but, but there was the famous Temple of Aphrodite. Now, the Temple of Aphrodite, they would have a festival called the, the Festival of Aphrodisia. And during the festival, they would dance kind of out of control. And then they would drink a drink called an aphrodisiac. Now, an aphrodisiac was a mixture of alcohol and an herb that the Hebrews called chasanim. The Greeks and the Scythians called it hemp. You may have driven by it at a pot shop. It's called marijuana. And so they would mix marijuana and alcohol together for this aphrodisiac, and they would dance themselves into this frenzy and get eventually into an altered state of consciousness where they would speak the language of the gods. We call it speaking in tongues. Now, that was the temple of, of, of Aphrodite, but then there was the temple of Dionysius. Now, Dionysius was the god of, of alcohol, the god of wine. So again, they would dance and they would drink themselves into a frenzy. And as you guess it, they would speak in tongues. Then there were the so-called mystery religions of the Greeks. For example, the cult of Sibel uh, Atis, where worshipers would, 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 would clash cymbals together and play loud drums and, and screeching flutes, and then they would dance like crazy. And, and, and you guess it, they would speak in tongues. And then in the temple of Apollo... The priestess would lead the worshipers in speaking in tongues, and she would also lead them to writhing on the ground, on the floor, like they were snakes. And so this is what you would see as you walked into the hundreds of different pagan temples in the ancient city of Corinth. Now the problem was that the Christian church in, in Corinth didn't look any different than those hundreds of pagan temples. You walked into the Christian church and they're doing the exact same things. You, you walked in and it was just total chaos. They were out of control. And that's why the Apostle Paul devotes chapter 12, 13, and 14 to talking about spiritual gifts. But you may remember Paul devoted all of chapter 13 to talking about love. It's called the love chapter. He, he, he talks about love and, and he sums up uh, all of that chapter in chapter 13, verse 13, by saying, the greatest of these is love. That's how chapter 13 ended and now chapter 14 opens on the same note. In chapter 14, verse 1, he says, pursue love and desire the spiritual gifts. So you're to desire spiritual gifts, but you're to pursue love as if to imply that the reason they were lacking order was because they were lacking love. They were lacking order because they were lacking love. 
So now think about it. Because of their pagan backgrounds, where they, they, they were used to every time they went to a pagan temple, that whatever temple it was, all of them, they would all speak in tongues. And this is what they were used to. And so really, because of that background, they were predisposed to believe that the greatest sign that, the, that, that, that you had the Holy Spirit is that you spoke in tongues. Now, on a different occasion, you may remember that Paul uh, wrote the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and he said, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Uh, Chuck Smith uh, had, had once said, and by the way, I'm going to be quoting Chuck Smith, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith, three different times this morning. So before anybody comes up and says, do you realize you referred to Pastor Chuck Smith three times? Yes, I, I wrote the notes. <laughs> and so uh, Pastor Chuck had said, he said, love is the most valid evidence that a man is truly filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and tongues without love are just meaningless sounds. And that's what, that's what Paul's telling the Corinthians. He's telling, you know, look, the, 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 the true evidence that, that you have the Holy Spirit is not tongues. The true evidence that you have the Holy Spirit is love. In fact, tongues without love is meaningless. Now with that, I want you to notice this, this phrase that Paul repeats over and over again in the verses we just read. It's the phrase, builds up. Five different times Paul uses that phrase, builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up, five different times. In fact, he uses it two times in verse four alone. Notice verse four, he says, the one who speaks in tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And what this implies is that ultimately the purpose of, of, of gathering together as a church is to build up each other. Uh, to, to, to build up the body, to build up the church. Whereas the purpose of, of personal devotions, the purpose of, of, of personal prayer time or, or private time, that is to build up yourself. So you, so you build up yourself in private, you build up the church in public. And so what was the takeaway for the Corinthians? The takeaway for the Corinthians is, is, is that tongues is for private, not for public because tongues builds up self, not building up the church. It doesn't build up others. We know that because in verse 2, verse 2, Paul says, the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Men don't get anything out of it. The church doesn't get anything out of it. it, it it's only building up yourself. No, that doesn't mean that the apostle Paul was, was against the gift of tongues, by the way. In fact, verse 5, Paul says, I want you all to speak in tongues. It's pretty clear. He wasn't against speaking tongues. In fact, the Apostle Paul himself spoke in tongues. We know that because later, in verse 18, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Or as in the New Oklahoma translation would say, all y'all. And so Paul spoke in tongues. He wasn't against tongues. The difference is that they were abusing it and he was not. The difference is that he was using it biblically and they were using it sinfully. They were using tongues the same way the pagan temples were using tongues. And so ultimately it comes down to love. You, you, you could say that, that, that how you use your spiritual gifts shows what you really love. In that, when, when the gifts of the Spirit are used to build up the body, that shows your love for the body. But when the gifts of the Spirit are used to build up yourself, that shows your love for yourself. When the gifts of the body are used to build up the body, that shows your love for the body. But when the gifts of the Spirit are used to build up yourself, that shows your love for yourself. But remember, chapter 13, 
the so-called love chapter, the apostle Paul defined what love is, right? The first four verses, he talks about love is this and love is that and love is not this. In fact, uh, chapter 13, verse four, Paul says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, and it is not self-seeking. So when we come to church seeking self, we come to church to build up ourself, Paul says that's not love. And so in effect, what he's saying is that, is that the reason the Corinthians lacked order was because they lacked love. Now on that note, verse 13, verses 13 through 19, Paul does give a sign that you have the Holy Spirit, a sign that shows that you have the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when, when he doesn't even know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but, but, but the other person does, is not being built up. There's that word again. Not being built up. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now I want you to go back and notice verse 15. And what I want you to notice is how many times Paul uses the phrase, I will. We see some four different times in one verse, he says, I will. He says, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. I will, I will, I will, and I will. Four different times, seeming to imply uh, that, that, you know what, it's a matter of the will. It's a matter of choice. In other words, it's saying, you know what, I, I can choose to, to, to pray in the Spirit. That is, I can choose to pray in tongues, but at the same time, I can keep my mind engaged while I'm doing it. I can pray in the Spirit, but, but I can also pray in my mind. I can keep my mind engaged because there are some who say, you know what, you just got to shut your mind down. You got you know, you to stop thinking. You just got to let the Spirit take control. And Paul says, I can pray in the Spirit and I can pray in my mind. I will. It's a matter of choice. It's a matter of will. Now, why do I point this out? Because there are some who, who would say that, you know what, when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, man, I, I, I just lose control. I can't help myself. I, I just lose control. You know, so all of a sudden, you know, in the middle of church service, I just have a, a, an outburst of tongues. Or all of a sudden, right in the middle of the sermon, I, I just stand up and blurt out some kind of prophecy. I can't control it. It's the Spirit, man. Well, again, Chuck, Chuck Smith, I told you three times. Here's number two. Chuck Smith in his book, Charisma versus Charismania, tells a story of a lady that he met who had told him that, that whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon her, she, she loses control. She just can't help herself. She, she has no control over it. So one day she's at home and, and somebody from the gas company comes to, to read her gas meter. So she's outside and she's talking to him while he's reading the meter and she's having this conversation and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon her and she loses control. She just can't help herself and she starts speaking in tongues. Now, meanwhile, the guy reading the gas meter sees her speaking in tongues, and he takes off running the other way. You see, there are some who think that losing control is a sign of the Holy Spirit, whereas the Bible tells us that self-control is a sign of the Holy Spirit. For example, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 
It says the fruit of the Spirit of what? It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and wait for it, self-control. So what does this mean? It means that if you have the Holy Spirit, what do you have? You have, among other things, self-control. Meaning that if you do have the gift of tongues, you also have the ability to control it. In fact, later on in this, in this chapter, Paul talks and he says, you know, if anyone speaks in a tongue, he says in verse 28, he says, if, if, if there is no one to interpret, let each one of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Seeming to indicate that if you have the gift of tongues, you also have the ability to keep it silent. You have the ability to control it. Why? Because you have the fruit of the Spirit. You have self-control. And then Paul says the same thing about prophecy. If you have the gift of prophecy, you also have the ability to control it. He says in, in verse 32, he says, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You know, the same way, listen, I have the spiritual gift of teaching, but you know, when, when I go on vacation, and a lot of times when my wife and I, we go on vacation, we still attend church just someplace else. We sometimes don't come to our own church vacation because when we do, it's not really vacation. So we go and, you know, go to some other church. But when I go to church someplace else, it's not like, you know, while the pastor's up there preaching, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon me. And while he's preaching, all of a sudden I stand up and preach my own sermon while he's preaching. And then say, well, hey, brother, the, you know, I can't help it. The Holy Spirit just came upon me. I couldn't control it. That's not how that works. And so Paul's saying that, that, that the sign of the Holy Spirit is that you have the fruit of the Spirit. You not only have the gifts of the Spirit, but you have the fruit, which means you can also control it. You can keep it silent. But in verse 20, verses 20 through 25, Paul does acknowledge that tongues are a sign. In verse 20, Paul says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants and evil, but in your thinking be mature. We'll pause here. Because there are some that say, you know what, listen, you've got to turn off your mind. You've you, you, you got to be open to the things of the Spirit. But Paul says, be, be infants and evil, but be mature in your thinking. Verse 21, he says, In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues and by lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If then the whole church comes together and, 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 and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not even say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all and he's called into account by all and the secrets of his heart are, are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God really is among you. Now it's interesting. We, we notice this line in verse 21 where he says, it's written in the law by people of strange tongues and by lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people and, and even they won't listen to me. And then he goes on and says that tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Now, there are some who, when they read that, they, 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 they think, well, you know what that means? What that's saying is, is that, you know what? The gift of tongues is, is really a gift that leads sinners to salvation. It leads sinners to salvation. Well, now, I mean no disrespect, but you've noticed, by the way, every time you use that phrase, you're about to say something really disrespectful. So I mean no disrespect, but, but, but you were wrong. That is not what that, what that means. Listen, when we say that there's a spiritual gift that leads sinners to salvation, you know what that gift is in the Bible? It's called the gift of evangelism. The gift of evangelism is the gift of leading sinners to salvation. 
Now, we, we did mention back in chapter 12 that there are times where the gift of tongues can be used as sort of a missionary language, where, you know, we, we hear these stories about missionaries in, 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 in other countries, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and temporarily they're given this, this ability to speak a foreign language they never learned, and they speak it, and, and it gets the attention of the people that they're trying to reach. But now, in this context, let's keep in mind who Paul was talking to. Paul is dealing with an out-of-control church, a chaotic church. He's talking to a group of people who were overemphasizing the gift of tongues, and it's like they're saying, you know what? Tongues is like the sign that you're saved. They're like, you know what? Tongues is like the sign that you have the Holy Spirit. And so now Paul is basically saying, you know what? You're right. Tongues is a sign, but it might not be the sign you think it is. You see, back in... in in verse 26, when he, when he no, I'm sorry, verse uh, 21, which is like five less than six. Uh, back in verse 21, Paul says, in the law it's written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people and even then they will not listen to me. What you need to know is he was quoting from Isaiah chapter 28. Write that down. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 28. Now, Isaiah chapter 28, we see uh, this is, this is where, where, where tongues, foreign tongues, were used as a sign of God's judgment. They were a sign, but they were a sign of God's judgment. Here's what's happening in Isaiah chapter 28. In Isaiah chapter 28, we read that the, that the ten northern tribes of Israel, called the kingdom of Israel, by this point, they had already been invaded and conquered and taken captive by, by Assyria. That happened in 722 B.C., and, and so because they had rejected their God and they, and they had turned their backs against God, God had now, now had allowed them to face judgment and be conquered and become captives. And now in Isaiah 28, God now is, is speaking to the southern kingdom of Judah and he's warning them that the same judgment that came to the north is coming for them. That because they too have turned their backs on God, they're about to be judged by God. And it's on that note that we read in Isaiah chapter 28, verses 10 and 11. It says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. We'll pause here. Notice that section that I just read is in quotes. It's in quotes because God was quoting them. This is what the people of Judah were saying. You see, the people of Judah were, were basically mocking those who taught the scriptures precept upon precept. Those who taught the Bible taught the scriptures line upon line. We'd call it verse by verse. They're saying, you know, all you people do is, is, is teach this Bible. All you do is talk about the Bible. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Verse by verse. Precept upon precept. And they were mocking them. And so God quotes them, mocking his, his, the teaching of his word. And then he goes on in verse 11. He says, for with stammering lips and, and, and another tongue, he will speak to this people. So what's happening again is, is that the people are, are hearing the clear teaching of God's word line upon line, precept upon precept, verse by verse. But, but, but instead of taking heed to God's word, they were rejecting God's word and they were mocking God's word. And now God's had enough of it. He's tired of them mocking his word. And he's like, you know what? Fine. From this point on, you know what? If you're not going to listen to me, you're not going to listen to my word, then maybe you'll listen to my judgment. You know what? You don't want to hear the voice of my prophets? You don't want to hear the voice of, of, of the teachers that are teaching line upon line, verse by verse? Well, now you know what's going to happen? The only voice you're going to hear from now on is the voice of a foreign tongue of your captors. 
the foreign tongue of your captors. You're going to be taken captive. You're going to be dragged into a land that's not your own, the Babylonian Empire. You'll be there for 70 years, and all you're going to hear, you're not going to hear God's voice anymore. You're going to hear the foreign tongue of your captors. And so Paul is basically saying, you know what, listen, for those of you that want to say tongues is a sign, be careful, because the only place in Scripture that we see it's a sign is that it was used as a sign of judgment. Now, on that note, verse 26, <laughs> man, just imagining all the emails I'm going to get. Um, <laughs> in verse 26, now, as we slowly wind this down, uh, Paul is, is going to tell, tell us the key to getting back in order, the key to getting back in order. Verse 26, Paul says, What then, brothers? When you come together, each one of you has a hymn, a, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or, or at the most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if, if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. And if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. In other words, he's saying, you know what? Take turns. Don't all talk at once. If someone else is giving the, the word from God, then you wait your turn. If the pastor's preaching the word of God, that's not the right time to stand up with the prophecy. And then he goes on in, in verse 32 and he says, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Notice that last line. That last line, when he says, as in all of the churches of the saints, indicates that this was not just for the Corinthian church. This wasn't just for this out-of-control, chaotic church. It's for every church. I looked the word all up when it says, as in all of the churches. You know what it means? It means Calvary Chapel Brighton. It means every church throughout all time. This is the standard. This is the biblical standard. This is the way it's to be conducted in all churches. So, you know, who's Paul talking to? Again, he's talking to, to this Christian church that, that frankly looked more like the pagan temples around it. This, this Christian church that, that, that was chaotic and, 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 and out of control. And Paul's telling them that, you know what, it's time for them to get their house of worship back in order. And here's the order. He, he, he sets the order of service. He, he's giving the guidelines. So says, you know what, if you want to speak in tongues publicly, here's how to do it. He says, if anyone speaks in tongues, two. Absolutely, at, at the most, three, and there better be an interpretation. He says, if there's no interpretation, then zip it. It's in the Greek. He says, if there's no interpretation, then don't do it. It's exactly what he said in, in chapter 14, verse 20. He says, if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in church. Now, Why? If there's, if there's no interpreter, then why are you supposed to be silent? Well, because if you remember, back in chapter 12, we learned that in Paul's opinion, uh, that the gift of tongues was considered a lesser gift. Why? Because it's the only gift out of all of the spiritual gifts on the list. It's the only one that does not have the ability to build up the church by itself. It's the only spiritual gift that only has the ability to build up yourself unless there's the help of, a, of an additional spiritual gift called the gift of interpretation. Then, with interpretation, other people might get something out of it. But otherwise, it's a selfish gift. It's not a body gift. It doesn't build up the body. 
And so he says, if there's no interpreter, keep it to yourself because you're the only one getting anything out of it. Now, speaking of, of tongues and, and the interpretation of tongues, yet one more Chuck Smith story. I told you there'd be three. So in the early days of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, uh, there was a time that they, that they would have a Sunday night meeting at a clubhouse. And so they, they, they have the meeting and, and this lady stands up and she speaks in tongues. And then later, uh, Chuck Smith's wife, Kay, she stands up and gives the interpretation of it. When at the end of the meeting, uh, someone uh, brought a, a guest with them, a friend with them, a, a Jewish girl from, from Palm Springs. Now, she's not a Christian. She, she's not safe. She just came as, as, you know, at, the, at the invitation of somebody else. Somebody else brought her to church. But at the end of the service, this girl who, who uh, not only speaks English, but she speaks Hebrew and Spanish and French, she comes up to, to Pastor Chuck and she says, can you explain to me what just happened? Can you explain to me why, why one lady stood up and spoke to God in French and then another lady stood up and just interpreted what she said in English. Why did that happen? Chuck smiled and said, would you believe that neither one of these ladies knows how to speak French? He says, I know that they don't know how to speak French because I'm married to one of them. And the other one, we've known for many, many years and we know she does not speak French. And she's like, well, then what happened? So he opens up chapters 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians and explains the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. Her mind is blown, and needless to say, that was the night that this young Jewish girl gave her life to Jesus and became a follower of Christ. And there you have an illustration of tongues being used in public, an interpretation, and someone getting the benefit of it. Now with that, if you're not upset already, wait do you read this. Verse 34, Paul says, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, uh, but, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything that, uh, uh, I'm sorry, if there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now, let me just say that that passage may not mean what you think it means. Because you read a passage like that, and you think, you know, how chauvinistic is that? Now keep in mind, back in the ancient world when those words were first written, remember, uh, uh, women in general were looked down upon. In fact, in, in, in the ancient world, women had no rights whatsoever. They were not even allowed to get a formal education. Now it's on that note that the Jews had a saying. The Jews would say it was better to burn the Torah, better to burn the law of God, than it was to teach it to a woman. So now with that in mind, rabbis refused to teach women when they're in the synagogue. So you go to a, a synagogue service. In fact, the, this pattern is still carried out to this day where men would sit on one side of the synagogue and women sit on the other side of the synagogue. But during the synagogue service, only the men were allowed to participate. They could ask questions. They could be a part of the service. Women had to just sit there and say nothing and do nothing. If they had questions, they waited till they got home and their, and their husband, who was considered to be their personal rabbi, was to lead them in the scriptures. So it's kind of with that in mind that, 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 that we have this, this backdrop, but then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the gospel, the New Testament, changes everything. Because in the New Testament, we see that, that men and women are, are, are now equal. They, they, they're, they're standing on level ground. For example, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. In other words, men and women are equal. And so now what was happening in the New Testament church is something else. So when Paul says, keep silent, here's, here's what's happening. Keep in mind what he is confronting, who he's confronting. He's confronting an out-of-order church, a church where everybody's talking out of turn. 
And so, and so on the one hand, what was happening is, is now women are allowed to, to be a part of the service just like men, but they're still sitting on you know, the men's side and the women's side. It's now in the middle of church, you know, uh, the pastor says something, and maybe the wife stands up and, and hollers to her husband, and she's like, what does that mean? Or maybe the pastor says something, she stands up, and she's like, see, I told you that's what that verse means. You see, nowadays, we, 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 we sit with each other, and, and, and that's been replaced with the elbow. You just, you know, you can just kind of do one of these. And, 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 but it was very disruptive. And so Paul's saying, you know, stop doing that. If you have questions, take notes, write it down. Talk with each other after the service. But don't disrupt everything just to haul it over the aisle to ask a question. Now, commentators point out that there may have been something else happening as well. Another thing that may have been happening is, is that, keep in mind, some of the pagan cults that the Corinthians got saved out of were led by priestesses. And these pagan priestesses would, would, would often lead everyone in the congregation to speak in tongues. It was the priestess who would lead that. And sometimes it was the priestess who would stand up and, 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 and utter some kind of a word from their God. And so now some commentators believe that, that, that it was possible that perhaps a few of the Corinthian women were trying to act as if they were basically the Christian version of a pagan priestess. And, and, and now they want to stand up and lead everyone in, 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 in speaking in tongues. Or they want to stand up and give some kind of word from God right in the middle of the sermon. And so Paul's saying, listen, that's not how this works. You know, you're saved, but you're not going to be the Christian version of a pagan priestess. And so on the one hand, he's saying, if you've got questions, wait till you get home, you can talk about it. On the other hand, he's saying, you know what, you know, just because you feel like the Spirit's moving you doesn't mean you have to actually do something because you have this thing called self-control. Try it. He says, don't disrupt the, 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 the order of the service. So when he says the Spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, that's both for the men and for the women. There's, there's to be order. And on that note, Paul says in verse 36, he says, or was it from you that the word of God came? Or, or, or are you the only ones that it's reached? If anyone thinks he's a prophet or, or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he's not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Now think about it. The current condition of the Corinthian church was, was about as useful as a vending machine with a sign that said, out of order. Or in my case, a bathroom that said, out of order. You know, I mean, a lost sinner in desperate need of salvation or, or somebody who's hopeless and, and they're desperately looking for hope. And, and, and if they were to turn to the Corinthian church, they would not find the answers they're looking for. They wouldn't find the hope. They wouldn't find the salvation they're looking for. Instead, what they would find is, is a church that was always fighting with each other, backstabbing each other. They would find a judgmental church. They would find a self-seeking church. They would find a chaotic, out-of-control church. And so Paul has to talk to him about, about you know, the balance of all this. And, and by the way, when it comes to, to, to using spiritual gifts, I think the key word is balance. You've heard me say this before, but you know, oftentimes I'll be asked by people and they'll say, you, know, you guys at Calvary Chapel, when, when it comes to spiritual gifts, you know, what are you guys? Are, are you guys charismatic or are you guys fundamental? Are, are you guys you know, uh, Baptist or, or, or are you Pentecostal? And I always laugh and, and say, you know, none of the above. We're, 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 we're fundamental Baptocostals. In other words, we, we, you know, we, we, we believe in the spiritual gifts, but we also believe in the whole counsel of God's word. 
And so, yeah, listen, I believe that every single spiritual gift is still for today, but I also believe that 1 Corinthians 14, 40 is still for today. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now, on that note, we should note how, how the first part of that verse starts. It says, let all things be done. Now, listen, with all the chaos and, 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 with, and with how, they, how, how out of order the Corinthian church was, I mean, the Apostle Paul could have very easily just said, you know what, stop doing everything. You know, stop speaking in tongues, stop prophesying, stop words and knowledge, stop everything. Just, just stop doing everything. That's not what Paul says. Paul doesn't say stop doing everything. He says, you know what, put everything in its right order. He doesn't say stop using the spiritual gifts. He says put the spiritual gifts in their right order. Let all things be done, but when they're done, do them in decency and in order. And as we mentioned, the key to, 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 to keeping things in order, the key to having balance is love. Again, chapter 14 started the same way chapter 13 ended. Chapter 13 ends by saying the greatest of these is love, and chapter 14 begins by saying pursue love. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but if you're going to pursue anything, make sure that your pursuit is for love. Don't pursue. Don't chase after uh, the, the spiritual gifts. If you're chasing after something, it's love. Pursue love. And so as I said, how we use the gifts of the Spirit shows what we love. When, when, when the gifts of the Spirit are used to build up the body, it shows our love for the body. But when the gifts of the Spirit are used to, to build up ourselves, it shows our love for ourself. And as we saw in chapter 13, being self-seeking is not love. Love is not self-seeking. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Sometimes your word is hard to hear, but it's what we need to hear. And Lord, we know we need to hear this because it says, as is such in all churches of the saints. So in this church, every church, we all need to hear your word, the balance of your word, the full counsel of your word. And so Lord, we, we pray that your spirit would move among your people, that you would have your way among your people, but at the same time, that your spirit would speak through your word to your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Why don't we stand and sing one more time to the Lord? Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton Podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.